Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, your smart speakers, download the podcast. Guys, uh, well, good morning, first of all. Good morning, good morning. What up, baby? Top of the hour to you. Morning to you. So, Key's been saying all week that the uh, Saints are trending not only to miss the playoffs, but toward a new regime in New Orleans. A whole new regime. Oh, God. Keyshawn J. Willemax is presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests, including former Jets and Browns wideout Braylon Edwards in 10 minutes on the Goodyear hotline. All right, so, Key, the the Saints have lost five in a row. And uh, you still think that uh, they're trending that way, huh? Yeah, hey, I, I don't even know why I said that. Because <laughs> I, I, I feel bad now. It but, happens. Um, you know, when you are losing five in a row, you don't have any stability at quarterback. You get a little bit of money back, as Dan Graziano told me earlier, in salary cap space next year. You have some enticing quarterbacks that could be on the free agent market. But you've been in a place for so long and you have yet to really capitalize on that other than the first time you went to the Super Bowl and won. So you haven't gotten back. You played in a couple of NFC Championship games. It just feels like, to me, it would wear on Sean Payton knowing him, and there's some options out there that may be set up, in the fu- set up better for the future for you in your coaching tenure. No one's ever told me Sean was going to leave New Orleans. I'm just looking at it and saying to myself, you know, this thing doesn't look good in New Orleans for him right now. Maybe he gets out and decides that there's some better options out there. And one would have been the Dallas Cowboys if they fall flat on their face and Jerry doesn't like the fact that uh, Mike McCarthy didn't get them to the promised land and they get bounced, let's say, in the first round after winning the division with a stacked deck that he decides he wants to part ways with him and Sean becomes available. Or the New York Giants have an opportunity to bring in a quality head coach that knows what he's doing, that has some pieces to play with on the offensive side with a dominant running back in a big market where he's coached before, that he gets control of the situation, that he may say, you know what, I like the Giants. The Cowboys situation is only unique because of the relationship. Jerry Jones can work with certain people because of a relationship. And when you have a relationship, he didn't have a relationship, Max, he didn't have a relationship with Bill Parcells. Mm. So he couldn't work with Bill Parcells at some point. He didn't, you know, it was like, you know what, he had a relationship with Jimmy Johnson. He went to school together. Yeah, but then he got rid of Jimmy Johnson because Jimmy Johnson wasn't trying to hear it. Yeah, because Jimmy got full of it just like Jerry. And then in the end, Somebody's ego had to go, and the owner's ego ain't going nowhere. He still doesn't have him in the ring you know? of honor. Like, what? That's Jimmy so Johnson. That's the, way, that's the way it is. So when I look at it, I just look at those two teams and say to myself, well, they good, they're good fits if he's available. All right. Here is Mike Greenberg responding to what you said about Peyton yesterday on his show, Greeny. Greeny responding on his show, Greeny, right here on ESPN Radio, immediately follows this show. Uh, Jay, I want you to listen to Greeny's response to Key, and I want you to respond. He's not going to Dallas because only one person runs the show in Dallas. And I know Sean Payton and Jerry Jones have a friendly relationship. They can buy each other bottles of very expensive wine, whatever that was. Right, Sean Payton's not going there to have Jerry Jones tell him what to do. I, I, I would be stunned by that. But if the New York Giants could offer him 
total control. He could be the coach and 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 be the guy. You know, he cooks the dinner and picks the groceries and bring one of his guys in there to do the personnel stuff. And they could get Russell Wilson. You could turn that thing around like that. I one thousand percent with him. I, I agree with him. I, I said this the other day about somewhat of a Bill Belichick role for Sean Payton in New York. And now look, understanding that I'm a Giants fan, you hear a lot about how John Mara is very involved in this team and making decisions with this team and having that type of communication with his management. I, I think bringing somebody in like Sean Payton who has experience, and we talk about a quarterback guru, we talk about a person that is a quarterback whisperer, can connect the quarterbacks, regardless of whether you think Daniel Jones is the right guy or not, like having somebody like that to say, this is who I want. This is If that's Russell Wilson, if it's Daniel Jones, like I would trust in the judgment of Sean Payton in that type of situation. I will also trust in him about who are the right people that we want to build this franchise around. I, I, I think that's genius. The question is if Sean Payton wants to leave that situation to come to a place like New York no, that has a lot of work. The whole question to me is the Jerry Jones of it all in the sense that if I'm Sean Payton, look, coaches want to go where there's a quarter. Like, is there a great young quarterback there? I can work with that. Dak Prescott. By the way, you even hear Dak Prescott. We played the sound today. You know, there are some guys who drank the Kool-Aid as kids, and they completely internalized all the football cliches, and they believe them. Like, you hear, like, uh, you know, Andrew Luck talk about football. It was different than Cam because you get the sense that listening to Cam, uh, I don't know if he he's kind of filtering what he's saying. And Andrew Luck, he just spits it out because he believes. Dak Prescott just spits it out. He believes that. He's bought in. And then with the talent and the way he plays the position, a dude like Sean Payton's got to look at that and be like, oh, yeah. I agree, but you're I, looking at that, but you also have, you have somebody whose chin is on your shoulder. That's the thing. So what it to me comes down <laughs> to there. is the Jerry Jones of it all. If Jerry would agree to back off, I'll bet you he can, he's Matt. not going he to. Can't. Key, this is my point. He ain't going to Dallas because Jerry's never going to sign up for that. So if he is leaving, I agree it's more likely to be the Giants. It, it, look. He wouldn't go. It has nothing to do with Jerry Jones is the reason he wouldn't go. That would be the reason he would go to Dallas is because of their friendship and their working relationship. I've been around them both. I've dealt with them both multiple times on and off the field. There is no, you know, Sean understands what he's dealing with. Sean gets it. He's been there. He understands that. The more logical destination, if he was to be available, would be the New York Giants. And the reason that is is because he gets an opportunity to probably have full control like mm-hmm. he has in New Orleans. But that's what we're saying about the Cowboys. No, Jerry no, but, give it to him. But, but it's not. He could still have input and still be a part of it. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean that Dallas is a bad destination for him. It's just most likely not going to happen because Mike McCarthy is still okay. there and okay. they're winning games. They're going to win the division. They're going to get better. And most likely, they're not going to fall flat on their Let face. Let me understand. So it's not how we're framing it that, oh, he wouldn't, it's Jerry would keep him away. But it is maybe that he would go somewhere else because Jerry wouldn't give him as much control as exactly. another he's not, organization. He's not going to yes. get as much control of the it's other organization. Different. Jerry knows football, whether you believe it or not. Yeah, he drafts pretty well. He knows football. The man played the game. He 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 watches film. He sit. They they. It's untraditional. He's one of the only owners that sit in there and watch film with the staff. It could say, oh, what the? Because he's a real general manager. He everybody makes a joke about it because it's. CEO, owner slash general manager, so it looks all weird. But he knows what the hell he's doing. Anyway, let's get off of him. Let's just move the Dallas Cowboys to the left. All let's right. stay right here in the New York Giants. 
The Giants would be served to go and try to poach a guy like Sean Payton. And if you believe that Russell Wilson is an answer, you try and figure out what that looks like for you if you're Sean Payton. Or you may think, you know what, I like Daniel Jones Mm -hmm. because I don't know where Sean had him when he came out on his board. Even though they didn't need a quarterback, he still probably scouted him just in case he falls in the third round. He, they had a first-round grade. So he probably, on his scouting report, probably has him highly rated. And if that's the case, he says, I like the things that he does well because I can win with that and fix that. Key. Here's what I don't like. I don't like the secondary. I don't like the defense. That sort of stuff. You, you, you know, Sean, pretty well. It, it, would his personality be – I'm not saying he couldn't thrive because he, I think he could thrive anywhere. Does Do you think being down in New Orleans – it's so different than being here in a New York City where you have to deal with the media every single day. And but I'm not saying he could here, remember? Yeah, but I'm saying not as a head coach. Yeah, but he was the offensive coordinator under scrutiny, heavily under scrutinized every single time you turned around. In fact, he was stripped of his play-calling duties uh, from Jim Fossil because of the, they were struggling on the offensive side. You got to remember, man, he's essentially Bill Parcells 2.0. So you don't think he would mind dealing oh, with this no, at all? This it wouldn't be nothing to him. This lightweight. How okay. look, <laughs> New York, New York. Uh, I'm saying it's different as a head coach as a, compared I would, to OC. I would get, but New York, when you built a certain way, as Max knows, New York is not this. this it don't buy you. Don't face you. It's yeah. like roll off your. It's like oil and water rolling off your back. I'm with you. So, look, I would, I would give up Gettleman and also <laughs> throw in Brian Cashman and and Rose everybody and everybody. I throw all the GMs out if I could go get Sean Payton for the Giants. How how fast does he turn it around in New York? If you if if they wound up taking Sean, y'all Payton. hate me. So y'all hate me, you and Jay and and other people. What? Y'all hate me because I always say that Gettleman has some pieces that he's drafted on this team. Y'all go, ah, you crazy? Well, of course he does because he's drafting high up in the first round every year. But he's, he's not got good at some drafting. pieces to work with. Okay, yeah. So it'll, 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 be, it'll be turned around like that, like that, like that, because he knows what he's doing. Doesn't that mean it though, reminds turn- me? It, it, it reminds me of my New York Jet team that went 1-15. We were in the AFC Championship game a year later. The next, that, that same yeah. year that we got Coach Parcells, we should have been in the playoffs. If we beat Detroit, we go to the playoffs. The flea flicker got or the halfback pass got us. I just know? really yeah. wonder if it could be turned around like that with Daniel Jones. Well, but but, but the point is the point. I think the point that's is my, that's my only question. Is Sean Payton, if it can, I, it, Sean Payton will figure out if that's the case or not. No, but yes. here's what here's what you got to remember, Jay. I'm in control. I understand that. Yeah. If I'm in control, and you're the point guard, and I got you on the floor, it's my mistake because mm-hmm. the other point guard is better. Yeah. Even though I like you, even though I like you, if I got you on the floor and you're not doing what I'm telling you, it's my fault as a coach. So, with that being said. If I'm allowing Daniel Jones to drop back and throw the ball to the other team, that's my fault as a coach. Yeah. Okay? If I'm allowing the offensive line not to protect the quarterback and they're getting their head beat in, that's my fault as a coach. So when you look at things in the National Football League, it's not the talent as much as it is the scheme, the coach. For instance, the Chicago Bears and Justin Fields. If I'm not utilizing Justin Fields' skill set to his advantage – that's my fault as a coach. Question. Doesn't that indict Joe Judge? If you can bring in a new coach and say, hey, you got pieces to do things, and yes. like that he turns it around, yeah. isn't that an indictment of Joe Judge? Well, 
Joe Judge's first time head coach. So give him some time. You got to give him a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. New York isn't going to give him that time, I don't believe, though. What, Maybe they year? give him three another years? year. Maybe. Three years? I, I'm a three-year guy when it comes Jay to Jay talks yeah. about three Coach years? K. Three if years. they would have had a quick trigger with Coach K, you would have never seen it's the greatest di- coach of all time at Duke. Yeah, but it's different, though. It's college basketball versus the NFL, NFL. football. Yeah, so people totally, don't have the patience. Totally different sports. Mm-hmm. This is real money versus institutional money. Uh-huh. It's a different – it's it's different, well, you know. <laughs> It's different. <laughs> I know. Different. It's, it's money wise. Well, I mean, <laughs> but the other thing is, the just, owners need to make money on a constant basis. The institutions they getting checks. What sixty thousand a year to go to do? Yeah. The administration, yeah, tuition. They, they yeah. getting checks regardless. The endowment, though. <laughs> the yeah. endowment. Yeah. People. The NFL owners ain't getting no checks regardless, other than the TV money. They don't get a chance to celebrate. It's only a club of thirty-two of them. And they go to West Palm Beach and hang out at their little meetings. Mm-hmm. They want to walk around and talk about the ring that they just won. That's the one thing that holds these guys back. Hey, I got a ring this year. What about you? You know, it's, it's, it's that sort of stuff. But Sean could turn them around like that because they that, got pieces. So it's not so much an indictment of Joe Judge as it is Sean Payton is an elite coach who has proven that he is elite. Here's what I would say about Joe Judge before we move on and get on to something else. If Joe Judge hires the right offensive coordinator, Joe Judge could be – a big-time New York head coach yeah, because he's got some stuff to work with. He just stay out of the way. Please, Sean Payton, if you're listening to this, please come to the New York Giants. I beg you. Uh, all right. Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Max. We mentioned Russell Wilson because Key asked Jay, hey, would you want Russell? Yes. <laughs> as soon as you say the name, Russell, yes, <laughs> instead of Daniel Jones. Absolutely. Here is Adam Schefter on – the John Kincaid show on 97.5, the fanatic in Philly, when asked, what's the issue with Russell Wilson? Shefty says it's the finger and the, and the, the lack of running and... The vibe there, which basically people have been aware of, which surfaced during the offseason is a part of it. And how do you break it down to figure out exactly what is causing him to play like a pedestrian at best quarterback right now? Wow, this is so music to my ears, Shefty. Yeah, you got to get him well, to wave the no trade clause to come to Philadelphia, though. Well, he'll, he'll, I believe he'll wave the no 50. trade See, a lot of people don't believe that. Now, Russell Wilson's not very tall. And, and you know. How tall you. is he really? Like, he's like five. <laughs> he's, he's six feet at best, right? Like, at best. Yeah, uh, Russ might that. be. I'm taller than Russ. No, Russ yeah. might be six, so six feet. Too. I'm taller than Russ. Yeah, yeah but so he's 5'11", six, six feet, something yeah, like you'll, that. Yeah, you'll. You, you're six tall, two, you're yeah. taller six than half, him. Six two, yeah. You're taller than him, but not by a lot. He's about six feet. Okay. So the point is, maybe he's going to age differently than it's not. And it's also, he can throw the ball, but like Drew Brees also was done by 38, 40, right? But Drew Brees was the most accurate of all time, right? So Russell Wilson, because he relies on athletic ability more, maybe he ages worse, maybe. But I'm just saying, guys, I don't believe he goes from an all-time great quarterback to a bum overnight. I got to believe Russell Wilson's got a lot more football left there. I agree. You don't key? I, got a I, bad I, 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 I didn't say. I didn't say anything at all. But you look, you look. I'm just like, thousand words, though, brother. I'll give you Daniel Jones and a first for Russell Wilson right now. I just, look. I'm, I don't like the way he finished last season, but I think there's a lot more load that he had to carry, and I I do think there's an element of his finger and how he had to rush back for this year. I'm not not going to say he's washed yet. I don't think he's. I don't think he's washed. What I do believe and I think is that 
Russell Wilson can't carry your team the way Aaron Rodgers can. Okay. And what people did is they took and elevated Russell to a carrier team quarterback level when they probably shouldn't have. And here's why I say this, and here's what I mean by that. When you look at the championship Super Bowl runs that they went on, that those teams were made up of defense, defense and running, running the, the football, yes. and that was pretty much it in Russell Wilson making a few throws to Doug Baldwin and company. That's all I'm saying. He averaged about 25 attempts a game doing those runs to the Super Bowls. After the Super Bowl, they paid him a bunch of money after the second Super Bowl. They elevated his attempts to about 35 a game on average. They haven't gone back to the Super Bowl with Cook Russ Cook. He hasn't won the MVP with Cook Russ Cook. He's always started off fast when they've elevated him at throwing the football. We like Russell Wilson. So what happens is we always tend to put more on things when we like it. Mm -hmm. And we don't really go back and dive into some things that we see we ignore. Russell Wilson can be great again in the style in which got them to the Super Bowl twice. Russell Wilson can't be great being Russ Cook Russ. That's just my analysis. Maybe I'm crazy and I'm a damn fool. No, that's, but I, it's I think, showing me over the last couple years that that is the case. But, Max, if that analysis is true, I'm still giving up a first-round pick and Daniel Jones for that. Because even from a game manager perspective, and if you have the right coach around him, if that coach is Sean Payton, he's going to put him in a system conducive with the talent he has around him to be great again. I think of him a lot like absolutely. Drew, I, think of, I think of him a lot like Drew Brees, guys. Drew Brees, look, like you're right, Key. But when you get rid of your defense, and don't forget, here's the key: they started getting cocky on the O line. They traded away Max Unger for the for the tight for Jimmy Graham, right? They started thinking we don't need to draft high up, but we'll just coach up the O line. So the O line falls apart at the same time that the defense takes a hit. Now you're asking Russ; he's not Aaron Rodgers. You're asking him to do too much. Even Aaron Rodgers is asking said too that. much. Right. But even Rodgers, you're asking too much at a certain point. You need to give him something. So I'm with you. It, the, the formula was the defense right back then. But I think Russell Wilson, over the last five or six years, with the exception of the second half of last year, right, was probably the best overall player in football over that span of time. He was always in the mix, always in the mix, like as best player in the game. And, and my whole point to that is, based on Cook, Russ Cook, you're in the same spot that you've been in, except you haven't gotten to any Super Bowls at all, and you've paid a guy to become Aaron Rodgers. So once the money was paid to him, we elevated him to another level. Russell Wilson holds on to the ball extremely long. Four point average about four point six yards. I mean four point six seconds of holding. That's really long yep. on holding on to the football. Mm-hmm. You got to get rid of the ball. So a lot of that offensive line issues, sometimes yeah, the quarterbacks, sure. you, know, you know, know what I'm saying? Russ knows Early that on in his career, when they were running the ball and doing that and playing defense, he could hold on to the ball 
at 4.5 with no problem at all because they were running the ball, so the defensive line wasn't getting to him. They wasn't pushing the pocket nearly as much because they had to worry about the run game as well. So you got to factor all that into it. Doesn't mean that if he was to ever become a New York Giant that the coaching staff can't go back to the early stages of Russell Wilson and implement that into the game plan for you to be able to mm-hmm. be successful. By the way, here, here's the Giants are going to have two top ten firsts probably. I'll give you one of those in Daniel Jones for Russ. I'll use the other one on an edge rusher. <laughs> you know, there like you go. You're back I, I in think the game. I think there you are. You're in, you're in the mix. I bring in Sean Payton. I'm in the mix. I'm challenged three moves. You challenge for a Super Bowl pretty soon. Keyshawn J. Will and Max presented by Progressive Insurance. If your pet passenger is injured in a car accident. Get help paying for vet expenses. Pet protection comes free with auto collision coverage. Get a quote at Progressive.com. All guests on the Goodyear hotline. All eyes on the Queen City. And it's not just because of Burrow and Herbert. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All right, y'all. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, ESPN Radio. You got the roller skates on. You just... Sirius XM Channel 80. Oh, the roller skates. Yeah. See, I come from the roller skating era. Well, yeah. <laughs> Could you backwards roller skate? Roller skate? Uh, I wasn't very good. <laughs> but when we were little, little yeah. kids, when you know we were little, about? little kids, used to go to the, what they call that place? The Roxy? No, no, no. Down, oh, downtown. The There's Roxy? one downtown. But they call it the Roxy? And then it became, I want to say it became a, a pool hall. I forgot what they called it. I don't know. I didn't grow up in the city like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, imagine but, the stuff you were doing in the city as a kid. No, right? no, it was like an after school. You wore okay. T-shirts Just called the Wiz Kids, and you know, yeah, man. Then that badass little white kid running around. Look yeah, at him. there right. he is, a dirty kid. <laughs> Tell him to take a shower. Yeah, <laughs> hair looks like got a lot of grease and dust. Nightclubs oh, at 15, oh, was I dusty? Oh, was I dusty? All right, listen. What's the biggest thing? Um, well, I mean, there's so, listen this this whole this whole uh, Justin Herbert Joe Burrow thing. Let's bring on Mo Egger. He's host. Uh, ESPN fifteen thirty Cincinnati. Mo, are you with us? Mo, 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 Mo. I'm with, I'm with you guys. Good morning. What's How up, are Mo? you? Doing great, guys. How are you? So, all right, Joe Burrow. I thought he was excellent as a rookie, and then he got hurt, and now he's back and looking good. What's the biggest thing you've seen as far as the growth of Joe Burrow from his rookie year to this season? I, I think he's just developed better 
better rapport with his targets. And they've given him a wealth of targets. You know, I know we've talked about Jamar Chase a lot, the, the run-up to the draft, whether they should have gone Jamar Chase, Panay Sewell. It's pretty easy to develop uh, a rapport with your targets when you have the, the kind of wide receiver, wide receiver weaponry the Bengals have. And so I, I think you start with that. I think it's just been an overall mastery of the offense. I think it's, it's also been an offense that's finally carved out an identity, and I think that's what you saw against the Steelers last week when they decided to let Joe Mixon carry it 30 times. And, you know, it's sort of pick your poison when you defend these guys. Do you want to slow him down? Do you want to stop the run? Or uh, do you want to see if if Joe Burrow can beat you deep? He he has – I've always thought the second half of his second season, and I know it's – you know, obviously he missed the last six weeks last year, but the second half of his second season is when you might see him make a major leap forward. And you saw that last week against – against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I I just think he looks more comfortable. I think they've done a pretty good job of protecting him. But more than anything, he's just developed really good chemistry with with the guys that he's throwing to. Yeah, you know, Mo, I I love Joe Burrow. I didn't love him coming out of college, but I love him now based on what I've seen in a year and a half of work. When I look at Justin Herbert, though, for whatever reason, maybe I have a West Coast bias in me because I had an opportunity to see Justin Herbert up close in person, you know, about a dozen times or so. When when you look back at it and you look at where both of them are in their prospective careers, early careers, so to speak, is there a huge difference? I don't know if there's a huge difference. I mean, I think these two teams represent one of the more interesting sort of juxtapositions in the NFL because what the Chargers did this offseason is they went all in on protecting Justin Herbert, and what the Bengals did this offseason is they tried to make incremental upgrades on the offensive line, but they went all in with the weaponry and drafting Jamar Chase. I don't know that I've seen a massive difference between the two, but – Look, as, 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 as good as Justin Herbert might be, when we look back on this in, I don't know, 8, 10, 12, 15 years, I'm, I'm, I'm always going to defend the Bengals for taking Joe Burrow instead of Justin Herbert because I understood the thinking at the time. And it's interesting, you know, Zach Taylor and that Bengals coaching staff, uh, prior to the 2020 draft, they worked at the Senior Bowl. Justin Herbert was there. And Justin Herbert, if you recall, had to answer a lot of questions at the Senior Bowl about things like leadership and was he going to be the right guy for whatever locker room he was going to be in. And Zach Taylor acknowledged this week, yeah, we love Justin Herbert. We, we, we really, really, really enjoy being with him. But Joe Burrow was our guy from the outset. And, look, after watching him at LSU, how could he not be? So, I, I certainly think it's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch these two guys, and, and perhaps we'll we'll add to a tongue of Iloa to the uh, conversation moving forward. But I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch these two guys possibly play against each other in games even bigger than the one they have on Sunday. I don't know that there's a really a huge difference between the two. I'm sure in Los Angeles they're thrilled with Justin Herbert right now, but I could tell you with certainty in Cincinnati they are elated with what yeah. Joe Burrow has done, and they're very excited about what the future may hold for him. Yeah, Jay, even if like Joe Burrow, even if Justin Herbert turns turns out to be Michael Jordan, they got Olajuwon, and exactly. you know, like he's still like you can't be upset with the Burrow pick. Yeah, they're doing good. Mo Egger joining us, afternoon host, ESPN fifteen thirty in Cincinnati on Keyshawn J. Will and Max. And, and Mo, I got to ask you, considering the torn ACL from last year for Joe Burrow, I mean, what kind of joy do fans in Cincinnati take in just watching the way he's accelerating, but also watching the struggles of Baker Mayfield? <laughs> and, and and you could add the aging process of Ben Roethlisberger to it, mm. you know. I mean, I, I think, 
you know, it's for years, and, and I, I hate to I hate to, for this to come off as a slap against Andy Dalton, but we saw some really good Bengals teams, really good Bengals teams, that you always felt like were being held back because of who they had playing quarterback. You know, Andy wasn't a guy who was going to elevate the talent around him. Andy wasn't going to be a guy who was going to be able to thrive when, you know, things weren't at their best, when you had injuries or when you had deficiencies on the roster. I think with Joe, they see a guy who can who can elevate the team. And you see him growing more and more into the role. It was the fun thing about his rookie season last year, just watching him sometimes from possession to possession, uh, just morph into the kind of franchise quarterback the Bengals envisioned him being when they when they took him. And and then, you know, you add to it the fact that they they've developed a good enough roster to sit here at, at seven and four, heading into a big game against the Chargers. And then all that gets compounded by the struggles of Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh, and the uncertainty surrounding Baker Mayfield. And I think what Bengals fans, maybe revel isn't the right word, but I'll use it anyway. What they revel in is not not simply Baker Mayfield struggling, but the decision the Browns have to make. What do you do with him long term? Are you going to pay him $400 million? I don't know that the answer is yes. When that question comes up here, and it will soon about Joe Burrow, are you going to drop the bag and pay him $400, $450 million? Without hesitation, the answer is going to be yes. I think there are Bengals fans, I know there are Bengals fans, who are hoping that the Cleveland Browns extend their relationship with Baker Mayfield, not because he's a bad quarterback, but because he's the kind of guy that I'm not sure you want to give that huge of a chunk of your payroll to. Those questions don't exist here. <laughs> they want to sabotage the Browns by having to pay Baker Mayfield a whole bunch of money, and then at the same time they can't sign any other players and they're <laughs> stuck with the Mo your crew. But uh, the Bearcats are rolling right now, and they get a chance at an opportunity to finish things off against the Houston Cougars this weekend in the AAC Championship. Are fans of the Bearcats in Cincinnati worried that even if they win this game, a weird scenario could come up where they miss the college football playoff? Sure, and and understandably so, because Oklahoma State's right behind them. Um, and, and to me, that was going to be the interesting thing about this past Tuesday, right? Where was Oklahoma State in relation to Cincinnati? Well, we got the answer. They're fifth, Cincinnati's fourth. Oklahoma State plays on a neutral field against the top 10 Baylor team. Cincinnati plays a home game against a ranked Houston team. But look, they're in the American Athletic Conference. The college football playoff, and this is this is not a complaint. The reality is it's a creation of Power Five conferences. The American Athletic Conference is supposed to be on the outside looking in. So I think it's a great question. If it comes down to a side-by-side comparison of Cincinnati versus Oklahoma State, what the committee has done with the Bearcats this year is they've rewarded them for winning, right? Either they've held steady where they were the previous week or they've moved up if they won and a team in front of them lost. And – Everybody knows that this will be taken care of if Georgia beats Alabama and Cincinnati wins, then I think the Bearcats are safe. But in this system, yeah, if you have a Big 12 team that is uh, got a chance to win on, excuse me, on a neutral field against the top 10 team, and if they do it convincingly, I think no matter what the Bearcats do in beating Houston, decisively or no, I, I think there's going to be a lot of really nervous moments on, on tomorrow night and, and Sunday morning, and I think it's completely fair to expect the committee to bump Cincinnati in favor of Oklahoma State. At the same time, if you defer to the way the committee has treated Cincinnati so far, when they've won, they haven't been moved down. But, again, you understand the way the system is supposed to work. The way the system is supposed to work is supposed to favor schools like Oklahoma State. 
I was going to ask you, out, out of all the games that are about to go down this weekend, I mean, even even the Georgia game, do you, do, you, do you see Georgia going down in this whole thing? Do you think it's possible for Georgia to lose it? The Alabama offense that I've watched when they're not playing in Tuscaloosa has almost no chance to block and score against Georgia. If If this Georgia defense is as good as we have said since week one, and the Alabama offense that I've watched struggle in games like the one against LSU and certainly like the one last week against uh, Auburn, I don't know how Alabama scores enough. But it is Nick Saban, and you worry about things like an Alabama defensive touchdown or a special teams play, something like that. But if you were to just do a side-by-side comparison of the two teams, there's a reason why Georgia was number one all season long, because you thought they were the best team in the country, on a neutral field in Athens or anywhere else. It's been a long time since we felt that way about Alabama. And by a long time, I mean a few weeks. Because originally this was, all right, Georgia won, Alabama two. They've slid for a reason. And that reason is they've looked very uneven, specifically on offense. That team that I watched struggle to score a touchdown for the first 59 minutes against Auburn is not going to score against Georgia. Of all the things that have to fall in favor of Cincinnati, on top of them obviously winning, that still feels like the most likely outcome, Georgia beating Alabama. That's Mo Egger on the Goodyear Hotline, brought to you by Goodyear, Mo making money, the plays money, that money, move Mo. you forward. Goodyear more driven. Thank you, Mo. Thanks, Mo. All right, guys. Thank you. Have a good weekend. Bye, Mo. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Keyshawn, J. Will and Max, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers. Okay, guys. Um, we can get to the calls on this in the Dr. Pepper call-in line because we've been asking which college football playoff contender is most likely to get upset this weekend. And uh, Dennis in Delaware has something to say. Hey, good morning, guys. Thanks for taking my call. I think it's Alabama. I mean, Nick Saban's one of the greatest college football coaches in history, and he has the ability for in-game adjustments. Remember when he replaced Jalen Hurts with Tua Tagovailoa to win the uh, national championship? Plus, Bryce Young is going to be on the Heisman stage Saturday at 4 o'clock in uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. They have great receivers in Jamison Williams and Mechie. And and Saban, uh, Kirby Smart's 0-3 against Saban, and they could actually afford to lose the game, Georgia. I mean, everything's on the, ali- uh, on the line for Alabama. Uh, they're no pushover. They've beaten Tennessee, LSU, Auburn. The offensive line is getting a little bit better. 
I just think there's your upset right there. No, no 24-20. You know what mm. is an interesting point to me out of everything you just said? Alabama has more to lose here. Georgia can like that. I hadn't really thought about that much. Georgia doesn't have their back against the wall the way Alabama well, why does. Why does Alabama have more to lose? Because Alabama loses twice. And it's a wrap. Uh, uh, no, Georgia hasn't won a national title. No, no, but I'm saying you can lose. You can if lose you're and still Georgia, be in the CFP. Still be in the CFP because you haven't. You, you've been the number one t- team wire to wire. Yeah, one but, loss it to Alabama ain't gonna knock you but out. Even even with that though, Max, one game is not gonna knock you out. I've been to the college football playoffs and the national championship as Georgia, but I've never won the national championship under this. They won it way back when, whatever, with Herschel Walker, but they've never won it under this new regime with Kirby Smart. But they've been there. They got more to lose because if you lose to Alabama, mm-hmm. you most likely are going to see Alabama again in the national championship it, and roll in with yeah. those doubts at least, again. But, but at least question, you get another shot as opposed thing, to being KO. Alabama loses, they probably because no two no no team who has had two losses has been in the CFP. No, no. If they if so, Alabama, but my whole point is if Alabama loses and they get kicked out at mm-hmm. CFP, not that big of a deal. The pressure's on Georgia. I think that's a pretty because good deal, Georgia wants to eliminate Alabama. They don't want to see Alabama lose to them and have to see him again. Well, it, that may be that the pressure is on Georgia, but it's a different kind. Like Alabama, I, the point the caller's making is that Alabama has the advantage because they're playing in a do or die game. If they lose, they're out. You may argue, but the pressure psychologically is on yeah, Georgia. Yeah, but that, but that means that diminishes Georgia a little. The way you're looking at yes, it, yes. But absolutely. the way the caller's looking at it, it also boosts Alabama because they know lose, we're going home. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, you can look at it from that perspective. But when he says that, when you say the pressure or or or, or more to lose in these situations, I just think it's Georgia. Even though Georgia. Get, can get back in with one loss in Alabama camp with two, they don't want us. That means that I can't beat Big Brother to save my life. Yeah, it's oh, listen. <laughs> here's the here's the thing about must so called must win games. I hate when pe- people on the radio they have this argument and uh, say, well, it's not a must win because technically the whole point of saying must win is that even when it's not technically a must win, we're saying it's as good as that. That's what you're saying for Georgia. Georgia's the difference between Georgia, yeah, that, it's a must-win game the way we use must-win. For Alabama, it is literally a must-win because if they lose, they're out of the playoffs. Yeah, but I got however many championships, I'm good. It's not that big of a deal. Georgia loses to them. That doubt sets in. Now all of a sudden, oh, here we go again. Can't beat them. Oh, God, we just Tell you can't beat them. Georgia goes it undefeated. It for a great championship game if Alabama beat I mean, yeah, it I just, I would just If you want to see that. If you want to see that. Uh, 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 I mean, seeing what I saw the first time, if Alabama gets him this time, then I definitely want to see it for the third time. A rubber match? see a trilogy? Are you kidding me? A rubber match yeah, between Georgia and Alabama? championship oh, game? Please yeah, give it to me. Because when I look at it, Alabama and Georgia are the best teams that's left. Yes. Yeah. And I wouldn't want to see Georgia against Cincinnati. I wouldn't mm-hmm. want to see Georgia against Michigan. Michigan. I wouldn't want to see Alabama against Michigan. I would have liked to see or Notre Dame. I would I want to see Georgia and Alabama. I would have liked to see Georgia against Ohio State, but Michigan took care of that. Yeah, that's true too. But is there a scenario which Ohio State can still sneak back in or no? Uh, they got right, two, two losses. losses. They're done. Oh yeah, because there's two lost teams. They're that's done. Right. That's what I love. And nobody about, thinks that two lost teams can get in. I don't think they I, should. I love that about the college. But I football. think Ohio I mean, State can get in. I mean, what if Georgia? What if Georgia knocks the the boots off Alabama and uh-huh. and that game's not close? Alabama has two losses and they've been blown out. Uh, Michigan loses. Cincinnati uh, loses. Happen, Oklahoma happen. State loses. Could happen. 
If Ohio State I guess gets you'd in go with two, Notre Dame, Baylor, yeah. no Baylor, Notre Dame, Baylor. and then I guess no, Michigan, Baylor would, Baylor would, Baylor Baylor would Baylor. go in over. Oh yeah, Baylor, Baylor would get in. And It'd then, be Baylor. And then I guess would you put a two-loss Michigan over a two-loss Ohio State? Probably because they beat them. Yeah, they so they're probably out. Yeah, yeah, no. So Ohio State ain't going. So so yeah, Georgia Alabama rubber match. If Alabama beats Georgia, that's the best championship. I, I'll sign up for that. Yeah, I guess I would watch that. I would watch that again. I'd watch Alabama with three losses. <laughs> Listen, no teams playing Alabama and not sweating it at some point in that game. Nick Saban's going to make you sweat at some point. That's at what least. I'm saying, man. Georgia got a lot riding on this, and they in Georgia. They playing in Atlanta, so they basically at home. Yeah. Mm. Did the NFL? actually get it right with Antonio Brown. We're going to tell you all about that coming up on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80 and your smart speakers and download the podcast. That's always good for us, too. All right, we'll be back in a second. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. 